You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. All right. Hey, um, my name is Justin. Uh, the pastor here is good to, to be with you today. Hi. How you doing? Um, if you're new here, we want to welcome you here. And I just want to say to the church, I've enjoyed the last couple of weeks that we've been gathering over in the gym and we've been having some just discussions about who we are and where we think God is leading us. And so I, I really enjoyed that. It's been great to hear from you guys and, and get to share a bit of my heart. So thank you. And today, um, what we're going to be doing, I'm going to do a message that I've just called this, uh, Overcoming Fear and Following God. And as we think about fear... You know, we're living in uh, one of the most anxious times. In fact, um, one study said this, Gen Z, okay, so those currently between 10 and 25, born in, from 97 to 20, uh, 2012, suggests that they, this generation, is the most an- uh, anxious generation to date. And so there's some reasons for that. We think about what happened in 2001, right, the terrorist attacks. We all probably remember that. Uh, and then the economic downturn of 2008. And then, of course, COVID. You guys remember COVID a couple years ago? And on top of that, we live in this information age where we have access to all kinds of data and all kinds of information, stuff that's really not all that helpful for us, right? I mean, why should I know about what's going on in a neighborhood in Arizona? It really doesn't affect my life, but we're constantly bombarded by sin and brokenness in the world. And it's just completely distracting and discouraging, and it creates all kinds of anxiety, and so when we think about anxiety, anxiety is really fueled by fear, okay? And it has to do with control and controlling outcomes. And so fear uh, keeps us in this state of anxiety, and fear can keep us from following God's call in our life. And fear can keep us from experiencing the fullness of God in our life. And so I want to take uh, some time today and look at what does it look like to overcome fear, how can we overcome fear? And as I've been um, just wrestling with so, much, so many things here lately, I've become um, really surprised at how deeply entrenched some of my fears are. And many of us, we don't take the time to understand what's going on under the surface. We live these anxious lives, and we just go from one thing to the next. And we can't sleep at night, so we try to distract ourselves by watching Netflix or whatever it is, scrolling the internet, social media, whatever it is, and we never slow down long enough to go, what's actually happening inside of me? And this is actually, I think, a tactic of the enemy to keep us so busy that we don't slow down to commune with God. And as I was thinking about fear this week, I was thinking, you know, The enemy uses fear. It's probably one of his most potent weapons, right? It goes all the way back to the beginning. And the way that Satan does that is this fear is fueled by uh, deception uh, about who God is and about who we are to God. And so the way that we can begin to overcome these fears is one by looking at the truth. And so what I want to do today is look at how do we overcome our fear. And to do that, we're going to look at Joshua You guys are probably familiar with the story of Joshua. So we'll be in Joshua 1, uh, verses 1 to 9. I encourage you to go there uh, in your Bibles or on your phone or app or whatever it is and follow along. Uh, I won't have the entire text up here today, but we're going to focus in on Joshua 1, 9. And we're going to look at how did Joshua overcome his fears and what can we learn from him. And so let me pray 
for us, and then we'll jump into this text and the story of Joshua. So would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time to gather. And Holy Spirit, we just pause in our day, and we invite you to come and to minister to us now. Presence of the living God, tune our hearts now to hear your word, to hear what you want to say to us. Come, Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the church. And I ask you, Lord, to move today in our hearts. We give you this time and we pray this in your name and by your spirit. Amen. Let me read the first nine verses of Joshua and then we'll get into this text. So verse uh, one, he says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of God, uh, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for, the, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers and to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all, to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So let me give you um, a little history of of who Joshua is, if you're not familiar with it. So we go look back in the book of Genesis, Abraham, God called Abraham from the land of war, and he said to Abraham, I want you to go to the land I'm showing you. And I just want to point out along the way, do you think Abraham had some anxiety and fear about what God was saying? And imagine if God said to you, leave everything you know, all your securities, leave your job, and go to where I'm showing you. Well, where are we going, God? Well, you'll know when we get there. I just want you to trust me. And so Abraham trusted God, and he followed him. Okay, so Abraham, then Abraham had uh, Isaac. Isaac had Jacob, right? Jacob had 12 sons. Joseph was his favorite son. He was sold into slavery, right? Goes down to Egypt, okay? He's in prison for many years, waiting on the Lord. And then a famine comes, and the Lord raises up Joseph to one of those powerful men in Egypt. And then his family comes down to be fed, to get food from Egypt. And all of a sudden, Israel now has moved to Egypt. Okay, Joseph dies. We open up the book of Exodus. 400 years later, a new Pharaoh arises, doesn't know, doesn't like the people of God. So he begins to persecute them. And so Moses is, is risen up. God meets Moses. And what does he say? I want you to go confront the most powerful man in the world. And you tell him to let my people go. Do you think Moses had any anxiety and fear about this call in his life? 
Well, if you read the account in Exodus 3 and 4, you see it. He's arguing with God. He has all these excuses, right? I don't want to go. At the end, that's what he just says. I can't speak well. God says, I'm going to give you Aaron. And finally just says, God, I just don't want to do it. And then God gets angry and he says, you're going to do it. But you notice the promise in, in Exodus 3 is similar to Abraham. Moses says, how am I going to know that you're with us? And God says, you're going to know because you're going to be right back here on this mountain with my people. In other words, you're going to know when you get there. All right? So Moses goes, delivers the people. And um, if, we, if we follow the story, right, you know, all these miracles, the ten plagues, we're familiar with that. Uh, he crosses the Red Sea miraculously. They get into the wilderness, and now Moses has taken people to the promised land. When God had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they're coming up to the land, right? And you remember the account in Numbers 13 and 14. They send the spies into the land. Joshua's one of those spies. For 40 days, they're spying out the land. And they come back and they give the report. And do you remember what happens? They say, it's beautiful. The land is flowing with milk and honey. Like, it's going to be great. Joshua and Caleb, they're like, yes, let's go do this. But the other people say, no, there's giants there. There's great people. The Amalekites and others are there. We can't do it. God's not going to protect us. And so they don't trust God. They give in to their fear. And they miss out on what God had promised them. Let me just um, show you this verse here. This is them arguing. This is um, Joshua uh, talking to them. If the, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Or do not fear, listen to that, do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. You see the battle here. Fear has been around for a long time. And so uh, the punishment for this is for every day that the spies were in the land, this generation of Israelites will be roaming the wilderness. So we know for 40 years they're roaming the wilderness, right? 40 long years. And the first generation has to die out. Moses dies out. They come again up to the brink of the promised land, and now Joshua is taking over for Moses. And the second generation is finally going to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. It's finally going to happen. Do you think Joshua had any anxiety, any fear about what he was called to do? Well, I would say certainly he does because this verse we're going to look at today, God specifically addresses that, right? He says, don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Now think about what Joshua was doing. He was taking over for Moses. Think about this. Moses. Moses. This is like the president, the commander of the army, like the most famous person. All these signs and wonders were done through Moses. He parts the Red Sea. These are big shoes to fill. And Joshua's wondering, is God going to be with me like he was with Moses? Do you guys ever wonder, is God with you? Is he going to be with you in what he's called you to? I think this is what Joshua is wrestling with. Right here in this first nine verses, how many times do we read, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I am with you. Be strong and courageous. How do we overcome this fear? How did Joshua overcome this fear? So this is what I want to look at today. And of course, um, as I've alluded to in Abraham and Moses, this is all throughout the Bible, right? David, years and years of fear. He's anointed king. It's not till 20 years later that he actually becomes king. And what's happening for those 20 years? He's running for his life. Saul and 3,000 men are seeking to kill him. Do you think he struggled with fear? Where do you think we got all these wonderful psalms from? 
David wrestling with fear and with the goodness of the Lord. And you can see in some of those Psalms, it tells you what was going on in David's life. And you go back and read it. It's fascinating. Okay, the prophets, Jeremiah, of all the prophets, lots of fear, right? The people wanted to kill him. He was put in a cistern. Faithful to the Lord. Jesus going to the cross says he was anxious. Father, there's another way. Take it from me. Of course, the apostles, Peter, Paul, and John, all facing persecution. So I submit to you that this kind of fear is more, uh, um, this, when God calls you, this is more of the norm in the biblical story. It's not a life of ease or comfort. It's a life that's challenging us and calling us to step out in fear. In fact, courage is not the absence of fear, right? It's acting in spite of your fear. That's courage. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. Be courageous. So we have biblical examples. We have all kind of historical examples we could look at where people were following the Lord. I'll just mention one. Martin Luther, right? Stood before the Catholic Church at the cost of his own life in that famous statement. He can't recant his works. So help me God, here I stand. And he thought he was gonna he thought he was gonna be executed. But there was this plan and he's saved. But standing in the face of fear. So how do we do this? Well, let me ask you real quick. Just take a minute and just, just, let's just sit and ask the Holy Spirit, for you, what is that? Is there a fear right now, an insecurity that you're wrestling with, that you need to hear from God on? So let's just take a moment and just wait. Let's see if, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because this is what he wants to apply to your life today. What is that anxiety, that insecurity? Well, let's look at this verse. What is God's word to Joshua? Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's what I want to do. I, I see four encouragements in this verse. And I just want to look at them. And um, what I want to show you is some helpful ways to, to read the Bible on your own. And so my heart for the church is not that you need to come here and hear me talk about the Word of God. The Word of God is in your homes. It's in your hands. And God will speak to you through it. And so if you are here and you're dependent to get your filled up by, by God, by coming to hear me talk or someone else talk, God has so much more for you. He's given us the word of God, and it's powerful. So I want to encourage you um, to move towards reading and uh, praying through this thing. So I'll just kind of show you some things as we're walking through this verse. So what I want to do is kind of drill down in this verse. I see four things, and I'll point them out first here. Uh, the first is, have I not commanded you here? Okay, so that's the first thing, who God is. And then how do we uh, overcome fear and uh, dismay? Well, strength and courage. So that's number two. We'll talk about that. For the Lord your God is with you. Okay, that's three. And then wherever you go, that's four. And so let's look at this first one. Have I not commanded you? How is this an encouragement? How does this help Joshua overcome fear? And here's what we need to do sometimes with Scripture. We just got to slow down. And you can do this. Read the verse. But each time you read it, emphasize a different word. Okay? So if we look at this just this first sentence here. Have I not commanded you? You can take that word by word and read it and recite it and think about it, meditate on it. In fact, 
I was reading a book uh, lately uh, called uh, Soul Care, and I was talking about how do you get from uh, head knowledge to your heart knowledge? You guys ever heard that? So how do I do that? It's just, it's up here, but it's not in my heart. Do you know how to get it to your heart? It's really simple. Well, one of the ways you get it to your heart, you meditate on it. You meditate on the Word of God. You think about it. You ponder it. That gets it down in your heart. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so simple. This is news to me. I mean, I've been doing it, but it was news to me. So how do you get head knowledge into your heart? Okay, God's not just going to put it there. He could do that, but he's inviting you into this relationship to, to come down into the Word of God and drill down into that thing and get the oil, the precious oil that's in the bottom of that. All right, so let's look at this. Have I not commanded you? The emphasis I see here is I. Who is this that's commanded Joshua? Who is the Lord? Have not I, have not I commanded you? See, God speaks. He's speaking to Joshua. He speaks to his people. He speaks to us through his word, through his spirit. Have I not commanded you? And then the last one here, have I not commanded you? Think about that. He's talking to you. This is a word for Joshua. And God will speak to you because he loves you, because he cares about you. So what is this first point? Have I not commanded you? Have I, the Lord, the Lord your God, the God of Moses, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Abraham, the God that's done wonders, this is the God. See, we forget who God is. And this is one of the ways we grow in not giving in to fear. Who is the Lord? That's the most important question we'll ever answer. What is he like? What do you think about when you think about God? I forget who asked this question, but if you think about God standing there, the question is, what is the expression on his face? That's a really important question. How do you see God looking at you? Is it a scowl? Is it anger? Is it a frown? Or is he smiling at you with delight? How many of you experience that? When you think about God the Father, do you feel his delight over you? Because that's what scripture says. He delights over you. What if we dared to believe that he delights over us? You think that might change how we live? I mean, God's been wrecking my heart with this truth the last few weeks. What if God really loved me that much? What if he didn't hold my sins against me, my shortcomings, my limitations? What if he really did delight in me? It's so hard for us to believe, isn't it? It's really hard for me to believe that God would delight in me. I know me. In fact, he knows me more than I know me. I don't even delight in myself. How does he delight in me? But scripture says he delights in you. Why would he send Jesus to die? Because he wanted you. He wanted a relationship with you. I'm convinced if we really begin to believe this, it will change us. It'll change how we live. It'll change how we impact our community. So overcoming fear is not based on who we are, but on who he is. Amen? So who is God? Good question. He actually tells us who he is. Let's go to the one, most well-known verses here. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. Okay? God's talking to Moses. Just before this, Moses says, show me your glory. And you know what God says? He says, I will, my goodness will pass before you, and I will proclaim my name. See, God's glory is tied to his goodness. The one thing we all tend to doubt, is he really good? What does he say about himself? 
the Lord passed before him. The Lord a God merciful or compassionate. It always sticks out to me. That's the first thing God says about himself. He's a God of compassion. Compassion. He's moved towards you. Think about the story of the prodigal son, right? I've been fixated on this. What's the father's response? When the son comes back, it says he saw him and he felt compassion. Do you believe that God feels compassion for you? You feel that. It's a picture of how God feels towards us. So first thing he says about himself, merciful and compassionate, gracious, full of grace, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. All this wonderful stuff. This is who God is, right? This can just be words for us. Oh yeah, I know that verse. I got a coffee mug with that verse on it. I'm telling you, drill down into who God is. Meditate on these truths. What does that mean to me? And of course, by no means will he clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children, third and fourth generation. This is who God is. He's a God of justice. He's a God of compassion. So knowing who God is will change how we approach fear and how we overcome fear. And as we follow the book of Joshua, uh, we see God showing up and demonstrating again his power and his goodness. All right? So the second thing here, it says, be strong and courageous. Have I. Because we've got to know who God is, number one. Be strong and courageous. That's a command. Don't be frightened and do not be dismayed. That word dismayed there means depressed, despair. Literally means to be shattered, to be broken for something. So God's saying, know who I am. Have I not commanded you? Have I not spoken to you? Have I not called you? Trust in who I am. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. What does this mean? This means you have to make a choice. This is an act of the will. So how do you be courageous? Well, as we said, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's stepping into something despite your fear. That's courage which means we all have to choose. And I don't know what you're facing personally. I know as a church, we're having some big conversations about what the future is going to look. And there may be a lot of fear and anxiety there. Trust me, I feel it. I feel it. I wish God wouldn't say, you'll know when you get there. I wish he would just tell me the plan. But walking with God, I see in the Bible is more like, you'll know when you get there. Walk with me day by day. Walk by my spirit. Eat my bread from heaven. I will be with you. But we have to choose to take this step, right? We're going to have to choose as a church where we're going. I don't know what you're facing personally, but you're going to have to choose whether you're going to act in faith, you're going to act in courage, or you're going to despair and you're going to give in to fear. It's a choice that we have to make. I think God helps us make that choice. Right? It's Philippians 2.12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because what? Because God works within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So somehow we're, we're operating with God in this. He's not going to do it for us. Say, what about grace? What about being saved by grace? Yes, we are saved by grace. But here's what I know. I believe that we're all given genuine free will. We all have to make choices and... God is completely sovereign. So how does that work? I don't know. 
But I know the Bible teaches both. Okay? Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20. I have said before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. We have to choose. Psalm 139. You search out my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. See, the Bible teaches both of these truths. I don't know how they go together, but I know we have to make a choice. Will you choose to trust who God is? Will you choose to act in the midst of fear? So number three here, the Lord your God is with you. How do we overcome fear in following God? For the Lord your God is with you. Where do we get our strength and courage? The Lord your God is with you. God was with Joshua. God was with David. God is with you today in the most profound way if you've believed in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And he will talk to you if you will talk to him. And he will guide you. Often, most often, I find he speaks through his word. You ever reading the word and something just hits you? It's just like, man, oh, this is like a reading it for the first time. This is really speaking to my heart. That's the Holy Spirit bringing the word of God to life and applying it to your heart. You guys ever felt that? He'll do that if we ask him. We've got to spend time in the word. This is God's word to us. The Holy Spirit wrote it and he's going to bring it to life in our hearts. We've got to spend time with him. He is with us in the most profound way. And here's what I want to say. This is the point of it all. God's presence with you. It's really not more than that. It began in a garden with Adam and Eve in the presence of the Lord, walking in the cool of the day. Remember paradise. And it's going to end in the great city of the new Jerusalem where the Lord's light will light up everything and his presence will be there. And we will be with him. We'll be his bride and it's going to be wonderful. See, it begins with God's presence. It ends with God's presence. What was the problem? Our sin. God didn't run away from us. We ran away from him. So ever since Genesis 3, where the fall happened, God said, I promise you, I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to give you a path to come back home. And thousands of years later, he sent Jesus to do what? To die for our sin. To bridge the gap. To pay the cost. To bring us home. Sometimes I think we think of the cross. And I think, yes, atonement for sin. He died for my sin. Yes, but Why? to bring you home, to bring you to the family of God, to enjoy a relationship with the living God for now and on to eternity. Do you remember how Jesus uh, defines eternal life in John 17, 3? He says eternal life is knowing God the Father. Knowing Eternal life is knowing God the Father. That means for the rest of eternity, you and I are going to get to know God more and more in greater and greater depths. We will never, ever... Uh, um, Expend the, the, the depths of who God is. The joy, the glory of who God is. It starts now. What if we really started to know? And that word know, again, it's not just know about him. I read these verses. It's experiencing the presence of the Lord, the love of God. That's what changes us. And so we're so distracted. We, we, we believe so many lies about who God is. I know that because I do. And God's been like slowly revealing these lies about who God is. He's saying, that's not true. That's a lie. 
and I'm feeling the Lord come in and just minister and heal my heart. And I'm experiencing God in new ways, in powerful ways. And the great news is that's just going to continue forever. Forever. It's only going to get better. But you see, you've got to, you've got to get in the conversation with him. Just like you would with your friend, your spouse. My point is Jesus died for sin. Yes, amen. And he rose to give us these new hearts so the Holy Spirit would be living in us so that we become more like God. But don't miss the big picture. It's about being with God forever. And that starts now. And I want you to experience the presence of God in your life because it'll change you radically. And there is nothing better. There is no higher goal. It's what everyone is seeking after, whether they know it or not. All the pleasures we have are just these shadows, these glimpses of who God is and what it's going to be like one day. So I want to encourage us to begin to experience who God is through his word and through prayer. We'll talk about that. All right, last point here. God is with you. And this really stuck out to me. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, think about that. Wherever you go, God will be with you. Which means when you fail, when you falter, when you fumble it, when you fall, God is still with you. He doesn't hold your sin against you anymore. His love today is as great as it will be in a billion years for now because sin has been paid for. All we get is the love of God in Christ. Let that sink in. When we fail, when we sin, anybody sin recently? Yeah. You feel guilty about that? Yeah. Guess who is accusing you? It's not God. Revelation 12 says, this great serpent, Satan, is one that accuses the children of God day and night. That condemning feeling, that sinking feeling, that shameful feeling, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will point out sin, John 16, right? He'll convict you of sin. There's this sweetness to it. He draws you to the Father, not away. That's how you know whether this is the voice of God or the voice of the enemy. Is it drawing you towards the Father or away? Because the Holy Spirit, he's here to, uh, to lift up Jesus and what he did. He's here to bring you into the experience of God's love. Romans 5 says that God's love was poured into our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, God will be with you. I find that encouraging. That's freedom. I want us, I want myself to believe this more and more and more and more. You say, well, how do we do that then? How do we grow in courage? How do we overcome our fears? And this will be a little bit of just a recap, but let me give it to you succinctly. Number one, we got to get to know God personally. He's a person. We can talk with him. He will talk to us. How do we do that? Primarily through the word of God. Say, I don't know where to start. Start somewhere. Start in the New Testament. Read a chapter a day. Just keep going. I found it really helpful just to read a psalm every day. You don't have to do a bunch of contextual work. You don't have to understand you know, who this was written to. It's David pouring his heart out to God. And I promise you, if you, if you slow down and you just read, God will touch your heart. He will speak to you. You'll say, oh, that's how I feel. These are perfect words for me. But you've got to choose. You've got to do it. You've got to make time. Study, meditate on who God is in the scriptures. Number two, expect God to speak. Have I not commanded you? 
God speaks. In fact, I want to encourage you. I've had a number of conversations with uh, from people at One Hope recently, and God is actually speaking to people at One Hope. I mean, it's so encouraging. You know, ask them questions like, how are you doing with the church? How are you doing with everything? Why are you still here? God just, I don't know, God just spoke to me. They said, I'm supposed to be here. What, oh, that's great. That's not dependent on me, praise the Lord. God's moving. So I want to encourage you to talk to him. He will talk to you. Number three, believe the word. Okay, read and believe what scripture says. Read through Joshua, right? Remember that, that story where, where uh, time stands still, right? The sun doesn't move for a whole day. Oh, that's, that's impossible. That's made up. That's ridiculous. No, that's true. That happened. The Jordan uh, River, they crossed the Jordan. It was split just like the Red Sea. That happened. In fact, there's that story that they grabbed the 12 stones and they set up so they'll remember. God did this. See, the stories are true. The Bible is true. What if you believed, really believe that these things are happening? Read stories of the great saints of history, the great missionaries, okay? Hudson Taylors and the William Careys and the Corrie Ten Booms and um, Amy Carmichael's and read their stories and just, wow, look at how God's still working. See, this isn't just something that happened in, in, in biblical times. It's happening today. It's been happening. And here's what I want to say to you. God has a call for you. He has an assignment for you. He's that big. This isn't like, oh, Justin's got a special assignment as a pastor, or, oh, Joshua, well, he got a great assignment, or, you know, whatever it is. No, God is big. He's got a call on your life. He's commanded you. He's got an assignment for you. And I'll tell you, there's nothing better than walking in the will of God. Does that mean it's easy? No. But see, we have these strange verses in that, that Paul talks about, for example, how is, how is it that you're sorrowful yet rejoicing? How does that work? I don't know, but I'm finding that is what it's like to walk with God. We're not getting out of brokenness. We're not getting out of sorrow. We're not getting out of sin in this life. But this joy that we have begins to grow in the midst of that suffering. And when we begin to live like that, the world says, what is with that person? Whatever they got, I want it. Tell me why you're so joyful when life is terrible. Let me tell you where my hope is. And then you get to share out of your heart who God is. And you'll find people will say, I want to know that God. Well, let me tell you how. Awesome. Welcome to the family. See, this is what it's all about. Um, Believe the word of God. And I would say, um, number four here, act. Take some risks. Don't be foolish. Pray, seek the Lord, seek counsel from friends, get in community here. I can't tell you like how important, crucial, pivotal community has been for me over the last year. I would not be standing here if I didn't have good, deep friends like my friend Nick here and some of our other pastor friends. We've been praying together for over a year now, weekly. And without these guys in my life, I don't think I'm standing here. The church, by definition, is a community of people filled with the Spirit of God, zealous for the Word of God. We have some community groups that are forming. I hope we're going to have a couple more over the summer here. Get together around God's Word with God's Spirit and let Him work. Share your lives with one another. That's what we're meant to do.
But we got to take risks. We got to ask. All right. Joshua 1 9. Let me just read it again. I'm going to close this in prayer and I'll ask the worship team to come back up. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the biblical account. We thank you for the story after story after story of your faithfulness, of your steadfast love to generations, of your mercy, of your compassion. Lord, we want more of you. We want to know your presence. I just want to ask if there's anyone here that just has no idea what I'm talking about. They've never experienced this joy of the Lord. They've never given their life to Jesus. They don't even know what that means. I'd love to just talk and pray with you and tell you what that means. It's what you're here for. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask now to come and minister to us as we continue to worship. Speak to our hearts. Fill us. Give us just a sense of your presence and joy and love, Lord, as we lift up our voices and we cry out to you, Lord. Do your work in us. We love you. Pray all this in your name, Jesus, by your spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.